Good morning, church, and Happy New Year. We've got about uh, 36 hours left of this year, and I have a message today that God's laid upon my heart that I believe can help us, can help you, so that there's some stuff that maybe you shouldn't take into the new year. You know, it's been said that wise people learn from their mistakes, and that is true. But can I tell you, brilliant people learn from the mistakes of others. And I want to talk to you today about three people in the Scriptures that we're going to learn some lessons from. We're going to look at a sort of a middle-aged Jewish woman who is a widow. And we're going to see in her life that, that really she's struggling, and, and she believes that the things that have happened in her life is because God has caused things to happen that has made her life pretty miserable. Second of all, we're going to look at a teenage dreamer who, because of some things that happened in his life, what he has to overcome is some things that his family did to him. And finally, we're going to look at a, an old Jewish scholar. His issue is not what he felt God did to him, not what he felt others did to him, but what he did that wanted to fill his life with regret. And, and so today, one of the importance of these things is all three of these characters, the one thing they have in common is change. Now let me tell you something about change. Change is inevitable, but growth is optional. Say that with me. Change is inevitable. You can't help change from, you say, you know what, I don't want 2019 to come. 2018 has been a pretty decent year for me. I think I'm going to stay in 2018. Eh, no. You might want that. 2019 is coming. And, and we, we were at one of our campuses, actually Columbiana, a few months, a few months ago, and during greeting, Bob Swingler said, when you greet today, Asked people, what is your favorite season? And so we did that. Oh, that was fun. I, uh, most of the people that I talked to during that greeting time, they liked spring. Some liked fall. Few liked summer. The sick people like winter. But um, no, not, not really. Yeah, really, they were sick. They, no, there, there's some things nice about winter for a couple of days, but anyways, can I tell you, I, whatever your favorite season is, I can tell you something about it. It changes. You, you can't park, and you can't park in life, so change is inevitable. It's going to happen, but here's what I've learned. I'm not a kid anymore. I'm not a young man, and what I've learned is that if you desire to be healthy spiritually, Physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially, your ability to be with people. That can only happen, listen to me clearly, if you learn in life how to navigate through change. Some people don't. There's people listening to me today, and you're not an evil person, you're not a bad person, but something happened in your past and you're stuck there. Some of you haven't forgiven others. Some of you haven't forgiven yourself. 
And so we're going to look at that today. And so we look first of all at this, at this widow woman. We often think she's an old woman, but she really isn't. Because this woman named Naomi, when she left her homeland, she had a husband and she had two sons. Now, Jewish girls would marry early and have children early, so probably when they left their homeland, she was probably in her 20s. They go, they go with great hopes. There's famine in their homeland, so they decide, let's go there, because over there is going to be better. So they go to a neighboring country, and maybe, maybe for a while, maybe it's better. We don't know. But eventually, Bad things happen. Now, before the bad things happen, something good happened. The two boys grew up and they got married. They, one married a, a girl named Orpah. That's where Oprah got her name, true story, because her dad misspelled Orpah. That's how we got Oprah. And the other, the other daughter-in-law was Ruth. But then the husband dies and the two sons die. We don't know how or why. We don't know if there was war, if there was disease. We, we don't know, but they died. Now, here's where we catch the story. Now this woman is coming back home with one of her daughter-in-laws named Ruth. And they're coming back into her home country, and the news gets out, and they are running around the town saying, Hey, Naomi's back. And she's got her daughter-in-law with her. Naomi's back. And here's how Naomi responds. We look in Ruth chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. And Naomi said to them, Call me not Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mera, which means bitter. And here's why. Do you, do you get that? I, I don't, I'm not pleasant anymore. Don't call me pleasant. I'm a bitter woman. Now, why does she feel that way, though? She feels that way, she says, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full. I went out with a husband and two boys. But the Lord has brought me home again empty. She forgot about her daughter-in-law. I'm sure that her daughter-in-law hung her head during that statement. Why call me Naomi, pleasant, since the Lord, three times in this one statement, she's saying it's God's fault. Can I tell you, there's people that are listening to me today, and some things have happened in your life that are very unfortunate. Might be sickness, might be the death of a loved one, might be a divorce, might be a financial reversal, but, but you, you can't hardly admit it, but you're mad at God. You're wondering, why did this happen to me? This isn't right, this isn't fair. And deep inside, like Naomi, you're angry at God. And some of you aren't pleasant anymore. You, you even look in the mirror and you don't like what you see because you become bitter. Bitterness is a horrible thing. The New Testament teaches us that it is actually a root of bitterness that not only destroys you, but 
negatively impacts those around you. Have you ever been around a bitter person? They're not fun to be around. They're, they're like poison. They, they, they release venom. What are the lessons that we learn from this woman? Now, now catch this. She's probably at, at this time in her life, maybe around the age of 40. Her daughter-in-law is, is probably in her in 20, early 20s because she ends up marrying Boaz, her Naomi's relative. And, and by the way, the, the man that she ends up marrying, well, I'll get to that in a second. Let me get back here. Now, big issues and big lessons. Number one, and I'm going to quote Pastor Juan, my son. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Number one, Naomi blamed her difficult circumstances on God. Big issue. Look at me. One of the dumbest things anyone can do. From Genesis 3 on, Satan... The enemy of our soul has attempted to get God's creation to question God's character. He said, yea, hath the Lord said in Genesis 3. Hey, listen, you can have some real questions of God and go to God and say, I'm angry right now. You can go to God and say, I don't get it. You can go to God and say, this doesn't seem fair. He can handle all of that. Read the Psalms. David did that. But don't question his character. You, you might have your anger and not be able to figure out why is this happening, but don't question his character. She did. Number two. She allowed the storms of life to define her rather than refine her. You've been hearing a wonderful series from your pastor about storms because storms are inevitable. But can I tell you, storms don't have to define you. She allowed the difficult circumstances of life to change her identity. She said, I'm no longer pleasant. I'm bitter. I'm no longer Naomi. I'm Mera. What about you? How has life circumstances changed you? Can I tell you that the rain still falls on the just and the unjust? There's, there's bad things that happen to good people. And if you say, well, I'm, I'm not happy until I can understand why this happened, well, then you're going to be pretty miserable the rest of your short little life. I'm sorry. But there's a whole lot of stuff that you'll never be able to mentally, intellectually figure out. And then I talk to some people and I say, why, when I get to heaven... Boy, I'm going to ask God why this and why that. There's an issue. Number one, with an attitude like that, you really think you're going to heaven? That's a, that's a pretty squirrely attitude. 
Now, some people are much nicer than that. They simply say they have a question of God. But number two, when you see him and you see the nail prints in his hands and in his feet and you see his side pierced and you look into into eyes that are, are a flame of fire, but you feel and experience a love that pierces your soul, you will bow down. Say, you're so worthy. And how could you have saved someone like me? All the questions will be gone. Number three. And I want you to understand as we go into number three, something that I've attempted to teach you for the last few decades. It's not nearly as important what happens to you. See, often that's not your responsibility. There, there are things that happen. What happened in Naomi's life, I don't think she caused her husband to die, her sons to die. You're not responsible often for what happens to you, but listen to me, you're 100% responsible for what happens in you, inside of you. See, some of the best people that I know have had hard lives. If you've read Mary's book, Steve and Mary, I love you. My wife and I love you guys so much. In fact, I can't help myself. I've got to go down. Don't pay any attention this next moment, but I love you both so much. I love you, love you, love you. Heroes, 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 heroes. We think actors and actresses and sports figures are heroes. Don't buy that stupid stuff. I don't know about you, but some of the stuff they put on the news, who in the world gives a rip? Seriously. These are heroes. These are the ones that we should admire and admonish. We've walked a journey with that family, and we'll continue to. Number three, she permitted her past to interpret her future. Write that down. She permitted. See, you've got to give permission. You're much stronger than you think. She gave permission for her past to interpret her future. She felt it was over. Bad stuff has happened. My life is over. I'm no longer pleasant. I'm bitter. Here's what she didn't realize. That one person in her life that she still had, whose name was Ruth, the one that she said, listen, go back home because I don't have anything. I'm not going to have any more kids. And I don't have anything to offer you. Go back home. She said, no, 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 no. Naomi, your God is going to be my God. Your people are going to be my people. And you might know the story that Naomi had a relative named Boaz. He was a man who was a man of wealth. He was a relative. And, and what 
What this daughter-in-law did is the law was when they would harvest their fields around the edges of the field, they would not harvest, and, and the poor people would go out and glean from the edge of the field, and that's what she did. Boaz caught her, saw her, and said, who's she? That's why I told you, I said, Naomi wasn't an old woman. She had a, she had a, she had a good-looking daughter-in-law. And Boaz, by the way, whose mother was Rahab, the harlot. How would you like to have your name in the Bible? Yeah! How would you like every time your name is in the Bible... She's always Rahab, the harlot. What does harlot mean? Not good. <laughs> harlot's not a good thing. Harlot's not holy. Harlot's bad. Stay with me. I think one of the reasons that Boaz even paid attention to a poor Ruth gleaning his field, not only was she good looking, but He'd been raised by a mom who God had redeemed from a life of harlotry because she had enough faith when Jericho was being invaded to say, I know that your God is the real God. And she saved those spies' lives. Now, now you say, well, okay, that's nice and fine, but what about that? Her daughter-in-law, Ruth, would eventually marry Boaz, and they would give birth to a boy. His name was Obed. I know that you knew that. I know you're all sitting there, yeah, Obed's coming. You, you just listen to the preacher. He, he's going to talk about Obed right now. I didn't even know they had Obed. I didn't even know Rahab was his mom. I had to study. You say, well, what's the big deal about Obed? Well, not a whole lot, except he got married and had a boy named Jesse. You say, okay, Jesse, that's a nice name, but so what? Well, Jesse got married, and guess what? They had a boy named David. King David! King David! Now we talking stuff now. And 28 generations later, Mary had a little boy whose name was Jesus. Can we give him praise? Here's a woman saying, my life is over. God, God did bad stuff to me. There's nothing to live for. No, it's not over. Number two, we not only learned those lessons from this widow woman who was angry at God and had to let go of that, but we look at a teenage dreamer named Joseph. Do you remember Joseph? Joseph was number 11 of 12 children, 12 boys. My dad was number 12 of 12 boys. He was number 11. He was, he was in a dysfunctional family. So are you. You say, how dare you say that? Oh, I dare say that. Every family I know has a degree of dysfunction. 
Hmm. You don't believe that, but it's true. I, you, yeah, okay. You've been with some of your relatives recently? Because they've been talking to me about you. Oh, come on, smile a little bit, will you? A merry heart does good like a medicine, okay? Hey, here, here's the story. Joseph is his daddy's favorite. He, there's one dad, but there's about four different moms in, of these 12 kids. Interesting. Dad thinks he's doing something nice. He makes Joseph his favorite son. To the point, he makes him a coat of many colors. Already, the 10 older brothers don't like Joseph, they didn't call him Joseph, they called him Joey or Jojo or Little Joe. There's a thought. And, and, and so they don't like him. Daddy, your daddy's favorite. If you know who the Smothers Brothers are, that might bring back a memory. But anyways, you, you, and, and then he has two dreams from God. He doesn't know what they mean. He just, he's 17. Remember being, those of us who are a little bit older, remember being 17? No offense to the 17-year-olds in, in, in the room, but, but you're stupid when you're 17. No offense. Any of, you, any of you adults that are here and you forget how stupid you were at 17, if your parents are still living, ask them. They'll remind you. You were really stupid at 17. You don't think you are. In fact, you think you're so... Anyways... He has two dreams, and he blurts them out to his family, which makes his older brothers hate him even more. So he has breakfast with dad one morning, and dad says, hey, your 10 older brothers, they're off taking care of some animals. I want you to go see how they're doing. And, and Joseph did have a little issue. He was a tattletale. You can read that. He said, I want you to take this food to them, see how they're doing. So here goes Joseph. He Finally, you know, he's out there, and, and his brothers see him coming, and they say, there's the dreamer. And they decide to kill him. I said it was a dysfunctional family. Makes your family look pretty good. <laughs> so they throw him down into a dry pit, a well. Now, he's down there. I mean, I mean it wasn't two foot deep. It was probably 25, 30 foot deep. He's down there screaming. What are they doing? They're eating the food that he brought. Seriously. And then one of the brothers gets an idea. Hey, there's a caravan going by. Let's sell them. They sell them for 30 pieces of silver. So he goes from having breakfast with dad in his coat of many colors to now he's a slave. On his way to he doesn't know where, but he's going to Egypt. Listen to me. He's still a teenager. He doesn't know the language. He doesn't know the culture. But incredibly, even though he's a slave, everything he does, he does right. He does with a good heart. And he keeps getting promoted even as a slave. And, and, and then something else happens. His boss, whose name is Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, Mrs. Potiphar. She got her eye on a very handsome 
young Jewish man named Joseph. And she decided to seduce him. Oh, yes, it is Sunday morning at Victory Christian Center, Coitsville. It's Bible. She decided to seduce him. Now, we don't know what Mrs. Potiphar looked like. I'm just, you know, often we tell, we preach this story where, like, you know, Mrs. Potiphar was like 26 and like, you know, and like, oh man, Joseph, what, what a guy. Well, there may have been more than one reason he ran. just saying. I'm giving him credit, but her name was Mrs. Potiphar. But anyways, Joseph, Joseph ran for his life, and she accused him of rape. And that accusation got him cast into a dungeon. Not just the prison, the dungeon. While he's there, two of the employees, a butler and a baker, candlestick maker was somewhere else, but anyways, the butler and the baker got cast down into the dungeon with him. They had offended the Pharaoh. He interprets their dreams. The one guy, the butler, he said, you're going to be back in your position with the Pharaoh. When you get back into position, only one thing I'm asking, not a million dollars, not even a thousand dollars, remember me. And he doesn't. Listen, for two years, Joseph was in that dungeon wondering why haven't they come for me? They finally come for him. He, gets, he ends up becoming prime minister of the entire nation of Egypt, second in command, because he interpreted the dream of Pharaoh about seven years of plenty and seven years of famine and had a plan. Here's what I want you to see in these scriptures. In Genesis chapter 41 and verse 50, and Joseph, this young man, he's now... 30. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. And here's what it means. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second son was Ephraim. Here's what it means. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Now, after the death of Jacob, their dad, Joseph said this in verse chapter 50, verse 19, Joseph said to his brothers, do not be afraid, because they thought, oh, now that dad's dead, Joseph is going to get even with us. And he said, do not be afraid. He said, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God, say that, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Here's the big lessons. Number one, number one, guard your heart. There's going to be some bad things happen to you in life, and sometimes it'll be family or friends who will do things to you. He guarded his heart. Listen, he guarded his heart because out of the heart are all the issues of life. It's one of the most important things that you need to do. He said, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God turned it around for good. God turning it around for good is not automatic. Because without God, we cannot. 
But without us, God will not. We have to cooperate in the process. And do not make life about you. See, when Joseph made that statement, although Joseph was the main player in all of this, it wasn't about Joseph. You want to find purpose in your life? You want to find meaning? You want to go into 2019 and and at some point in your life begin to have a sense that there's more to life than happiness? Then don't make life about you. A self-centered life is the smallest, puniest life anyone can ever live. Don't make life about Find purpose in your relationship with God, your relationship with people, investing in others, encouraging others. You know, I remember when we sat down with Pastor Carol at their home in West Middlesex in 20, probably 24 years ago when we first sat down, my wife and I, and we said, Carol... We believe God wants you to be on our staff. And her jaw dropped to the floor. She didn't see how that was even possible. But see, we saw something in her. What do you see in people? Do you just see the stuff, the bad stuff, the challenges, the difficult? Listen, there's gold underneath that dirt. You you don't just, you know, you don't go through life and gold's just like laying on the ground like, hey, there's some gold, look at there. No. If you've got any gold, it was down underneath dirt and in ore and in coal and all messed up and looked nasty and had to be refined, but it was there. That's what we need to do with each other. We all need somebody to believe in us. Number two, he had to see the birth of his Manasseh, which means forgiveness and forgetting and letting go before he could ever experience the fruitfulness called Ephraim. See, you, some of you wonder, I, I'm, I'm being nice, I'm being kind, I'm looking at you, but you wonder why there is not blessing on your life. Why life just seems difficult and why there seems to never be any favor from God. Maybe you're trying to give birth to your Ephraim, which means fruitfulness, but you've never given birth to your Manasseh. You've never forgiven. You've never let go. And, and see, it, holding those grudges messes you up. It doesn't, they're just going out through life, whistling Dixie. But you're messed up because you're stuck. You ever run into somebody? You get talking about life to them? And they're talking about something that happened 20 years ago as if it was yesterday. Because they've never given birth to their Manasseh. They've never released it. They've never let it go. They've never said that as God has forgiven me, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to move forward. Life's way too short, my friend, to let that stuff hold you. Number three, we need to watch our thinking and self-talk during times of change and transition in life. See, when there's 
We're talking change and transition. Our campus has gone through it this last year. The Hutchins are going through it now. Listen, life is filled with change. I said earlier on how you navigate through change is going to make all the difference in the world, how healthy you are. You know, fault me if you will. But here's the way I look at it. I've got one short life. I have eternal life to God be the glory. I'm going to be with Jesus someday because of his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection. I have complete faith in Christ. But do you know he wants us to live a pretty good life here? He said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. We can mess up the ability to live an abundant life if we do not know and do not understand. Life's so short. Life is so short. At my age, can I tell you that it feels like weeks ago I was a little boy playing in Hartford, Ohio. Really? Life's short. Why, why would I take this one gift of a short life and allow something that happened to me or something that somebody said or did to me and allow that to define my life. Instead, you let it refine your life. How did the gold become beautiful? It was refined. Refining hurts. It's painful, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Finally, I close. The, the third person we learned from real quickly is an old Jewish scholar. First time we hear his name was his previous name called Saul. He was Saul of a place called Tarsus. And first time we hear his name, the first martyr of Christ, whose name was Stephen, was getting hit with rocks. The, 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 the Jews who hated his testimony, who hated Christ, were doing what they felt was a good religious thing. We're killing you. In the name of God. Religious people do that. Well, well they, they took off their jackets so that they could really throw some stones and I'll show you. And when they took off their jackets, they laid them down at the feet of a man, a young man named Saul. Now, Saul was a scholar. He, he had one of the best educations of his day. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel, great teacher, spoke several different languages, great writing skills. He became a terrorist. He was the number one terrorist against the early church. There's no one else we know of more than Saul of Tarsus who imprisoned more Christians, who tried to get people from the way as it was called, to denounce Christ, to deny Christ. But on the road to Damascus, he is born again. Jesus Christ in his glory appears to him and calls him, and he becomes a writer of most of the New Testament. Listen, you say, well, then what was his issue? His issue was not that he was angry at God as Naomi was who said, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. His issue was not Joseph, who forgave his brothers. 
You say, well then, what was Paul's issue? Paul. Paul was his issue. See, even though he had come to know Christ, the same devil that tried to rub your nose in it tried to remind him constantly of his past. He did not live life with regret. Can I tell you, one of the most miserable lives we could ever live is a life with regret. Oh, I, if only I would have. I wish I would have. Maybe, maybe this. I, I could have. I should have. Don't do that. Don't do that. Learn from your past. Learn from your mistakes. Listen, we all make mistakes. There's not a person I'm talking to is not made mistakes, not made decisions you wish you could change. Take it to God. As we close today, listen. Your issue might be God and life. Things that have happened to you have made you bitter. I've got to say to you, you can become pleasant. God can help you. How do you know that? Help me. He's helped so many people I know. You go to a blood-stained cross and you say, God, I can't handle this. I'm not doing well with this. And I, I've been blaming you and I, I want to quit blaming you. I want to be like you. Maybe it's family and friends and others who have done bad things to you and you've got a grudge and you've got hatred. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was accusations and lies. Whatever it was, listen to me. Life's way too short. Honestly. Let it go. It's destroying you. It's not hurting them. It's destroying you. You say, how do I let it go? You go once again to a bloodstained cross and you say, God, help me. Help me. Jesus, Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer that we're to forgive others as God has forgiven us. Father, would you help us today? Would you help every person under the sound of my voice? Would you change us? Would you show us what we should not take in to 2019? Maybe it's been days, weeks, months, years, or even decades that we've been carrying resentment or regret or anger, and you, you say, it's time, it's time, my child. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Let it go. Let it go. Put, place it here at the foot of my bloodstained cross. I'll help you. I will give you strength. I will give you courage. I will help you. Could we quietly stand right now and I'm going to ask that the prayer team would come. And as they are coming today, I want to encourage you because as we close this service, there are times that the Spirit of God is so rich and so near as now, but you need somebody to pray with you 
to pray for you, to be in agreement with you. So come today. Come today. Get prayer. And as Pastor Juan and Pastor Deidre are coming, we want to speak a blessing over you. I want you to look at me. We love you. We miss you. But you are in good hands. Not only are you in the hands of a mighty God, but God has called the Rivera's and this amazing pastoral team. And I want to say that to the pastoral team too. Coitsville pastoral team that have served with us for a long, long time, many of you, you have come under and with serving with the Rivera's in such a beautiful way. And we're proud of you. We're proud of you. And church, church, two, two quick things. At the end of last year, this campus was struggling in many ways. And God laid upon my heart to present to you the idea of a Thanksgiving miracle offering. And you folks closed out the year by giving one-third of a million dollars so that we could close the year out and so that the Rivera's could come and not have that load. Thank you. Don't think for a moment that we've forgotten. And finally, thank you for your big-heartedness that you didn't say, well, oh, wait a minute, who, well, do we love the Thomas or do we love the Rivera's? Wait, 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 you know, wait, wait. How little is your heart? That you got only a, you got a little tiny heart that like, well, we can only got room in our heart for, no, no. Thank you that you're large-hearted enough that you've not quit loving the Thomases and you love the Rivera's. That's the way it should be. And, and as a son and daughter, we're like, you ever been in a sporting event with a healthy mom and dad? And, and their kid is down there doing well at the sporting event. No healthy dad ever says, well, you know, I could have done better than that. No, that's a sick dad. No, parents are saying, hey, uh, that, that's my son. See that boy, see number 22 down there? That's my, that's my boy. That's my boy. You know, and we are proud. We are proud of the Rivera's and love them. We want to speak a blessing over you. Happy New Year to you. Keep your eyes open. Keep your heart open. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the name which is above every name. May the Lord himself today bring greater victory into your life than you've ever experienced. May the shackles and bondage of the enemy be broken off of you in Jesus' name. May you be able today to be filled with the grace and goodness and mercy of God. May you today be able to leave this service and feel a sense of value and worth and dignity because of who God is. And may you leave this building with having your heart so full that you can say as David said, my cup runneth over. That there's not only enough for me, value, dignity, and worth I give to you. I see value, worth, and dignity. Now go, give it away. And make 2019 the greatest year in your entire life. We bless you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said.
Give the Lord praise, would you? Come and get prayer. God bless you. Pastor Carol Mark will be over in the Life Center.